Welcome to the Target Oxbridge podcast, the podcast where we demystify the universities of Oxford and Cambridge and share tips on how to improve your chances of getting into Oxbridge. My name is Naomi Kalman and I'm the founder of Target Oxbridge. Target Oxbridge is a programme that has been running since 2012 to help Black, African and Caribbean students to gain places at Oxford and Cambridge. We've helped over 280 students to gain places so far, and so we've gathered quite a bit of experience over the years. The aim of this podcast is to share the information and top tips that we've gathered with students, parents and teachers, as well as sharing the stories of people who have studied there. For this next series, we'll be sharing our top tips on how to get in for some of the most popular Oxbridge courses. To kick off this new series of the Target Oxbridge podcast, we're going to be talking today to Tarek Hamad, who is an economics and management student, soon to be graduate from Oxford, to hear all about his top tips for getting in for one of these really popular and competitive subjects. Hi, Tarek, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks so you? much for joining me. Oh, I'm well, thank you. And happy to be doing this series, actually, because we're gearing up for application season. And this is one of the most popular subjects. So it would be great to get your insights today on how people can maximise their chances of getting in. Sounds brilliant. So what I'd like first is if you could just introduce yourself in terms of you know, where exactly you studied and what you most enjoyed from your course. Yeah, um, so I studied economics and management at Wadham College, Oxford. I finished my final exams around three weeks and right now I'm just waiting for results um, and uh, I will be entering the financial industry um, in actually tomorrow, <laughs> my start date's tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> oh brilliant, well congratulations, it's been such a tough year so well done for finishing your degree in these circumstances and securing a grad job, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, I really do appreciate that. And in terms of your subject what first got you interested in economics and management i was fortunate enough to have economics teachers who wouldn't just teach us the syllabus but would often go on a tangent in discussing kind of the wider significance of the concepts that we would learn uh, within the syllabus or they would kind of explore many interesting examples in depth and so i really enjoyed those discussions and that kind of prompted me to do my own further research and reading on uh, those topics that I was most interested in. Um, and it was helpful that I was able to study both economics and business management um, in the International Baccalaureate um, as well. So I, I, I figured that combining both, uh, both uh, subjects would be best for me. Um, Sounds good. And when it came to topics that got you first really interested, what, what made you think, oh, this is for me, this is something I've seen in the real world that makes me think I want to study this at university? I really enjoyed kind of exploring major problems such as economic growth and development economics and just exploring solutions to those problems. My kind of areas of interest in economics, I kind of based my personal statement around were um, development economics um, so I kind of alluded to uh, uh, the history of Nigeria's development, um, the country uh, that my parents are from. Uh, another area of interest was uh, why there, there was stagnant uh, economic growth in countries such as Japan. 
uh, over the last uh, 30 years. So it, it was kind of those sort of big questions um, of why, why, why is it so difficult to stimulate, stimulate economic growth and economic development in uh, major economies that uh, I was really just interested in. Yeah, that, that, those are really interesting and big questions. I'm sure even with three years of studying, there's still many things to still, still be answered. In terms of the management part, because I think that's the part that people are often less familiar with. So they might be keen to go and study economics, but the Oxford course is economics and management. People always ask me, what is management? What, what is this extra bit on the course at Oxford? Would you mind just explaining a bit about what the management part of the course involves? Yeah, sure. So in management, um, so we can actually split management into financial management and general management. Um, so general management um, is kind of, so we look at literature in academia and we uh, use kind of the theory, the theoretical uh, concepts that um, academics write about how businesses achieve their objectives. And in financial management, we look at um, how, how do businesses communicate um, their pursuit of their objectives to stakeholders, um, such as uh, investors or, uh, or those who are just interested in the performance of the business. That's really helpful to get an insight into, because I think that's the one bit of the course that people find a bit mysterious and often they're asking me that question because they're trying to pick between economics and management at Oxford and just straight economics at Cambridge. Did you have to choose between those two and if so what is it that swung you towards the course that you chose? Was per both are perfectly good courses but it's all about what's a good fit for you. How did you know that this course was the right one for you? Yeah, so I think picking between the two courses um, was mostly based on the differences. Um, so I kind of gauged that from speaking to older students and also just undertaking a bit of research online. Um, so uh, as you said, Cambridge offers economics, Oxford offers economics and management. Um, but my impression of the Cambridge economics course was that it was a bit more mathematical and conceptual whereas the Oxford course seemed a bit more applicable to the real world, um, particularly due to the management component uh, of the course, which, it, which I did find to be true because we often do draw upon real life examples, uh, real life case studies. And um, also, I guess it was helpful that I was able to study both economics and business management uh, at IB. Um, and I did want to retain that that management component. Um, and so as Cambridge didn't offer that management component, it, uh, the choice uh, was uh, obvious to me as a result. That makes sense. That, that makes sense. And what I'd say to anyone listening is if you're not able to study the IB and you're studying A-levels, you probably won't have the chance to study both business and economics at the same time. And that's completely fine. Not very many people do both when it comes to A-levels. What I would say is it's actually the maths A-level, if you're doing an A-level set of courses, which is the most important part, because that's a requirement for the course if you're going to apply for economics at either Oxford or Cambridge. Tarek, I'm guessing you had some maths within your IB as well. Yes, I did high-level high maths. Yeah, which is a requirement, I think, isn't it? Yes, so... 
I was required to achieve at least a six. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, which is the one thing that people often forget that maths is a really core part of any economics course. And so you need it as part of either your IB or your A-level if you're going to be eligible to apply. And thinking about applying and picking, this course is it's a great course, but it's also a really popular course. And I like to be really honest with people about what they're getting themselves into when they choose to apply for economics and management at Oxford, because it's actually one of the, if not the most competitive courses at the university with a success rate of 6%. Um, And it's because it's a course that actually attracts loads of applications from around the world because people are interested in that really world applicable element that you were talking about, Tarek. When you were choosing your course, were you aware of how competitive it was? Um, yes, I was very aware, uh, <laughs> almost too <laughs> aware, uh, because it did kind of um, kind of make me a bit nervous about uh, my chances of getting in. And how did you how did you manage that nervousness and that awareness that you were going for something really competitive? The only thing that I kind of said to myself was, as long as I try my my best at each stage of the application process. I'd, I'd have no regrets um, because that's that's the only thing that I can do. Um, just try my best. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty much just being okay with um, not getting in um, as long as like I knew I tried my best. Which I think is the the best attitude you can take to it, really, because that's all you can do. But it's about managing your expectations and knowing what you're going up against and being reasonable about that what I'm always really keen on is that when students do pick economics or economics and management it's for the right reasons because it is really competitive and also if you turn up to interview or you submit an application that's half-hearted because you're mainly applying because it's prestigious or because you think it will get you a good job or because your parents think it's a good cause that often shows up if it's not the right fit for you you have to really, really want the course. You have to genuinely be interested in the content. What was it that made you confident or realise that this was a genuinely good fit for you academically, as opposed to it just being a really attractive and prestigious course because of its reputation? Yeah. Um, so it's when I realised that I could, that I really just enjoyed reading articles and books on economics and management for hours on end. Um, and also just when I realized that I, I just liked in, uh, discussing uh, kind of concepts beyond the syllabus with my friends, with teachers. And I think that also led to me kind of uh, thinking about economics and management a lot. And I, I kind of started linking new stories to the concepts that I would learn both inside and outside the classroom. That's brilliant because it brings me on to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is the research and the further research that's really needed if you're going to be able to, one, pick the right course for you, and then to make a competitive application. What were you reading, if you can remember, because I know it was a few years ago now, but what sort of things were you reading or watching that was really helpful for you when trying to figure out what you wanted to apply for? So it was kind of uh, a range of different activities that allowed me to kind of explore my main areas of interest in economics. Um, 
so my personal statement was uh, purely economics uh, based, um, which yeah, I think it's important to know that you can apply with a personal statement that's just purely focused on economics. So the kind of things I did were kind of watching TED talks, um, kind of reading books, also more active um, things such as uh, writing my extended essay on one of my areas of interest, um, going to masterclasses, um, also interviewing uh, a public figure. Um, so yeah, those sorts of things. And also hosting a debate on, uh, on one of those areas of interest as well. If you can remember, would you be able to share with us one area of interest, just in a bit of specific detail, because sometimes students, especially if they're a bit younger, so in year 10 and year 11, but they're listening in, don't really know what sort of examples are good examples or relevant examples. And sometimes they're a bit surprised that something that they're really familiar with in the real world can actually be used to talk about you know, concepts within economics. Can you remember any of the specific examples you researched into? So yeah, my, my three main areas of interest were kind of the macroeconomics of Japan's economy. So that was exploring uh, Japan's uh, stagnation that they've uh, endured for the last uh, 30 years. Um, and just to uh, explain what stagnation is, it's when the, uh, the economy grows very slowly um, annually. And also another area of interest was uh, development economics, but more specifically Nigeria and the Dutch disease, um, which uh, the, the country uh, also endured. Um, and I kind of focused on trying to understand why um, these problems have persisted in these countries and why the solutions or the proposed solutions haven't worked. And yeah, I, I just kind of really enjoyed doing that. Um, Sounds great. What, what is the Dutch disease for anyone who's listening and hasn't heard that term before? Yeah, so it's when a country has uh, a main export such as oil and because uh, they're, they're exporting uh, a lot of oil or a lot of that export, um, it, it causes their, ex- uh, their currency to appreciate and that uh, results in the other industries becoming uncompetitive um, because uh, the currency appreciating would mean that the other exports uh, would seem would be uh, more expensive to uh, importers in other countries. So it renders uh, the other import exporting industries uncompetitive and uh, kind of reinforces um, kind of slow economic growth. Thank you for, for giving us that definition. I know I'm sort of testing you just as you finish. <laughs> Just as you finish your exam, you probably wanted to turn your brain off. So thank you for for sharing that. It's an interesting concept because I think for economies that have lots of wealth in particular um, commodities or or things that they can export, it often comes with a downside. That means that their economy isn't always as balanced as you'd want it to be. Um, And this, this is a really good example for students listening in, I think, when trying to see how can things I've come across just by reading the news or that I'm just aware of from the real world, how can I pick something to then research into further and start moving towards a personal statement worthy type of example? Are you able to share the sorts of resources that you use? Were there any particular books or magazines or 
podcasts or documentaries that you went back to multiple times to start building up your understanding of the subject? Yeah, um, sure. So I looked at a book and a TED talk by Paul Collier called The Bottom Billion. Um, so that kind of introduced me to the Dutch disease and explained it in a bit more context um, to me. Um, for Japan's economy, I looked at um, Japan's Great Stagnation uh, by Masasumi Wakatabe. Um, they're quite niche books. Um, so I, I do recommend kind of finding specific resources that uh, kind of um, that are directly related to your personal area of interest in economics and or management. Um, so I kind of found them using um, Google, um, but also just the reading lists on uh, the individual uh, uh, college E&M web pages and also um, the, the main economics and management webpage has a reading list um, as well. Um, but yeah, Google works just fine as well. Just kind of um, looking for those articles that compile kind of the best, um, like the top 10 best uh, books in that area of interest would um, also work fine for finding these books. Thank you. That's really helpful because my key message is always you have to research in a way that aligns with your interest. I think students hope that there's a one size fits all, read these five books and you'll have a brilliant personal statement. But the personal part of that statement is, is really the key point, which is that your interests will be different to your friends or to whoever else, you know, applying for the course. And so you have to really tailor your research around your own interests. And if you're not able to do that, it might mean that you're not actually that interested, which is often a good test, I think, if, you, if you're finding yourself enjoying the texts, enjoying the documentaries and the podcasts that you're engaging with, and you want to keep going, that normally means you're on the right track. Yep, I, I, I do agree. And that you then have to turn all of that research into a personal statement, which I know is the thing that most students really want to hear about. So I want to give um, over a fair bit of time to how you went about preparing for your personal statement and how you found that process. What key things do you think helped you write a successful personal statement? Yeah, so it was it was just trying to make note or kind of highlight key points in those resources that kind of play a key role in influencing my understanding of that specific area of interest in economics. Um, my advice here would be to kind of pay attention to the, the conclusive points, the, the overarching points that the, the authors make. Um, and I think that's something that you'll get plenty of practice doing as you uh, complete past papers for the thinking skills assessment, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, later. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of just looking for um, points that play a key role in influencing your understanding. And that can be kind of how it redirected your understanding of a particular concept or how, how um, that kind of inspired you to pursue further research in another area. Um, so I'd recommend doing that as opposed to describing what you did or what you read. That's good advice. I always say it should feel like an academic journey, a little bit of a sort of story of how your interest in a particular area 
evolved as you kept reading and kept researching and kept thinking. So it's fine to start with one opinion and realise by the end that actually you think something different. And if you can tell that story of how your research led you to new ideas and new concepts, and that's often what you're aiming to achieve in a personal statement. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Um, so, yeah, my personal statement kind of comprised of three um, journeys of uh, my areas of interest and um and within those journeys, I um, undertook those activities, which I previously mentioned, and um, tried to allude, uh, tried to emphasize kind of reflecting um, more than uh, desc- describing throughout. And that's, that's really helpful. So in terms of getting started with writing the statement, did you find that hard when you were having to you know, write your first words? Yeah, um, I did indeed. I remember having multiple drafts of my personal statement. Um, it was it was definitely in the double digits. Uh, I think getting started is key. Um, you kind of have to uh, get through kind of writing those those poor drafts, um, and by the by the end of it, you'll have plenty of practice kind of reflecting on what you learn in in those resources from those activities. So, yeah, I, I would just try to practice um, kind of reflecting as much as possible. Yeah, and I, I think it's good to normalise the fact that you're going to have loads of drafts of this thing. And also the first one won't be very good and that's completely fine. So I, I, I always say just write something, even if you start in the middle. You don't have to get the perfect introduction. You can just start in the middle and just write down the thing that's most interesting to you at the time with the knowledge that is going to change. And that's fine. But. I always say just dump something on the page and then you can get to work with that as opposed to just staring at it and hoping that you'll, you know, write a perfect piece the first time because you won't. You'll have multiple, multiple drafts, which is fine. Now, moving on, the next thing that everybody always wants to know about is the admissions assessment. Now, there is one, isn't there, for economics and management? Yes, um, that is the TSA, um, the Thinking Skills Assessment. When you found out you had to take a test, how did you feel about that? I think it kind of reinforced the competitive nature of the course, I guess. Because, um, yeah, I, I don't I didn't realise that the, the application process would be so um, grueling. Yeah, and there are quite a few tests or admissions assessments now for quite a few Oxbridge courses. So it's become quite standard, but it's something to be aware of as early as possible so that you can start preparing how did you go about preparing and can you remember what the test sort of involved and how you had to prepare for the different bits of it yep um so the thinking skills assessment consisted of 50 multiple choice problem solving and critical thinking questions and also a 30 minute writing task but i know that um, the 30 minute writing task uh, is no longer required um, and as far as preparing for the TSA goes, um, I found Think You Can Think by Minish Tana, the most helpful um, resource. So I think you can find that on Amazon. Um, so it kind of walks you through how, um, how to best tackle the different um, uh, question types uh, in the TSA. Um, and it kind of categorizes the question types uh, in, a, in a very uh, well-written way. way. Um, but also... Thinking Skills by John Butterworth and Jeff uh, Foyt. 
um, again on Amazon, was good to strengthen my weaker areas after doing practice past papers. Uh, I think that that book's actually recommended on the on the thinking skills assessment webpage. Um, but I think uh, past papers for sure were were definitely very critical to uh, my preparation. Um, so they're all available online, um, and I, I I always recommend to do uh, the all well as many as you can, but all of them as, if possible. Um, and always do them in timed conditions to replicate the real thing and to get a bit a more accurate depiction of your ability because the timing aspect of the TSA exam makes it challenging. Um, and also try to uh, record all of your scores from, from your past papers and hopefully you, sh you should see an improvement over time. That's a good tip because I think if you don't keep an eye on it, you, you don't know if you're improving or not. And the past paper point, I think, is a brilliant one also, because sometimes people say to me, oh, I've just been doing bits of the questions here and there. And the reality is, if you have lots of time, you can always answer the questions correctly. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the maths is based on GCSE maths. There's nothing in there that's super, super hard. But what they are trying to test is how quickly you can get through and be thinking at a high level and under pressure over a period of time. And so you must do them in timed conditions. Otherwise, you're just not getting the training that you need. The other thing I always say is it's important to do what you said in terms of keeping the score, but also going through and finding out where are you dropping marks and is there a theme there? So is there a particular type of question you tend to get wrong? And if so, can you use the resources that you were talking about to go and work on that particular element? Did you have any sort of experience of having to work on particular bits before you sat the test? Um, so, oh, yes, I did, actually. Um, I can't remember which areas were my weak areas, but, yeah, I, I tried to um, kind of um, note down my, my weak areas, the, the ones that would uh, pop up as wrong answers uh, in the past papers that I did. Um, and I tried to use the thinking skills book um, to kind of um, uh, to kind of uh, perfect my technique and approach in those weak areas. Yeah, which is which is the key thing. I think people often get comfortable with what they're good at and don't want to get into that more awkward part of saying, you know, I'm not doing so well here. Let me really hammer this out until I'm stronger at it. But that's the key, I think, for doing well in an in a admissions assessment like this. Sometimes people ask me, how soon should I be preparing? Can you remember when you started checking the test out and, you know, looking at resources and starting to practice? Yes. Yeah, so in the summer before year 13, I did a couple of past papers um, just to kind of get a, a feel for the TSA exam. Um, but I was kind of wary about not... Um, uh, like using up my past paper resource resources um so I think I completed all of the past papers uh in around the two month period before the actual TSA exam um I guess that that was kind of good it was quite intense but it was kind of good to kind of um hammer through um perfecting my my technique um before the exam Thanks for sharing that, because I think the timing is something people struggle with. 
in terms of when to start and that tip about not using all the papers before you're actually close to the exam is I think really important because you want to be able to really ramp up your practice in the lead up I always recommend taking one quite early on just to help you decide if you really want to make this application because if you sit the test and it feels really way out of your range then maybe you'll want to have a reconsideration of what you want to apply for but then saving some towards the November period is, is really important. That brings us on now to the interview, which is the final part of the process. That doesn't mean it's the only important part or the most important part. They look at everything across the application process, but it is the last thing that you do. So people often feel um, quite strongly about it. How did you feel going into your interview? Yeah, it was it was probably my first like interview, um, both in kind of a corporate uh, setting but also like an academic setting so yeah it was, it was very uh, nerve-wracking to say to say the least um, <laughs> yeah but I, I tried to just do as much preparation as possible to kind of calm myself down um, so yeah we, we, uh, we'll probably talk about that later as well yeah we, we can we can get into that now I think in terms of preparing how did you go about doing that because some people find it quite a hard thing to prepare for because it's ultimately a conversation about your subject so what did you find helpful yeah so I think practice was key um so I practiced loads of interview questions um kind of the the core motivation uh questions but also the open-ended um questions and the problem solving based questions with my teachers and friends um, but also I found myself kind of vocalizing my answers to myself in my room. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend practice. It's, it's, it's helpful, not just for getting comfortable with re- reacting to questions or information that you, you've never seen before, but, but after speaking about economics and management a lot before your interview, you'll probably find that you can kind of recycle arguments or thinking in your interview that you've said before. Some people won't know anyone who's been involved in an Oxbridge process before, so won't know what sort of questions are asked or how to even get hold of example questions. Can you remember the sort of thing that you were asked in your interview? Yes. Um, so in my economics interview, I was asked um, at various questions related to uh, a hypothetical situation in which I was a producer of uh, ice cream. Um, So it was primarily microeconomics based. Um, And in my management interview, I was asked about the the great financial crisis and about um, whether banks were um, too big to fail and whether that was a a problem. I'm guessing that these were things that were sort of relevant to things happening in the world at the time, or had you come across those sorts of things in reading the news regularly, or had you never heard of them before? Yeah, so my economics interview uh, was kind of universally accessible um, to those who hadn't studied economics uh, before, Um, but I did find that my knowledge of microeconomics did help in approaching those questions. Um, with the great financial crisis question, 
I I had um, kind of some background knowledge uh, of the of the financial crisis, but I I wasn't too um, prepared. I, I wasn't too um, knowledgeable about um, the too big to fail issue. Uh, so I kind of had to respond uh, on the spot to that um, and just use whatever knowledge I did have or whatever understanding I did have. Uh, but I think you can also kind of ask the interviewer questions as well um, if, you, if you are stuck. That's really helpful for our listeners to hear, I think, because there's sometimes a sense that you have to go into these interviews knowing everything already. And the reality is that the interview is designed to see what you do when you're given new information and you don't really know a lot, but you can you can apply what you already know and your thinking skills to get to an answer, which is sometimes wrong. You know, in my, in my interview, I said things that were wrong. I'm guessing you might have said some things, Eric, which looking back on, you know, weren't completely correct. But that's not really what they're after. They're after an insight into how you think and how you solve problems and apply what you do know to new situations. Was that your experience? Yes, uh, I, I definitely agree with that. They're, they're kind of looking for how you think rather than um, what you do know, because um, I, I think that kind of gives an unfair advantage to, to people who, who have studied the subjects before. Um, so yeah, how you think, how you react to new information. Um, and I, I think it's, they do this because it's a good indication of how you would react in a tutorial setting. And as you, you, you probably know at uh, Oxford and Cambridge, you have kind of tutorials or supervisions, um, which are kind of one-to-ones with, or, uh, with your tutor, or it can kind of happen in a group as well, um, where you kind of go over um, the essays that you've completed beforehand or the problem sheets you've completed beforehand. Um, so yeah, the, the interview is kind of uh, modeled um, around that setting. It's really, it is really a conversation, which I, I know people don't often believe because interviews, I think people think of them as quite scary things, but it is genuinely an academic conversation. And I think one way to prepare is, is to just have lots of academic conversations. And you can do that with friends, family, teachers. It's easiest to do that if you keep giving yourself new content, which is why for a subject like economics, which is so rooted in the real world, I always strongly recommend just knowing what is happening in the world, which might mean always looking at the BBC news website, looking at their coverage of economics issues and business issues. It might mean signing up to The Economist when they do their offer where you can get, you know, 12 copies for £12. Sometimes they've got a deal like that. You can also read The Economist website and you can get three online articles for free every week, I think it is. So it's just about being aware of what's happening in the world and then talking about it with people and trying to analyse it as if you are an economist. That will help you prepare for the sorts of interview questions that you will have. Are there any other everyday resources that I haven't mentioned, Harriet, that you think are helpful? Um, yeah, so I kind of, uh, I try to keep as commercially aware as possible. I signed up to... Uh, uh, a weekly briefing by Deloitte. I think it's um, it's written by Deloitte's chief economist that kind of wraps up kind of key uh, key uh, real world news stories uh, that have happened in the previous week. Um, yeah, and I, I found that that was helpful. 
Great. Well, we're coming up to the end of our time. So I tend to end our episodes by asking people for the tip that they'd give to their 16-year-old self. And I think I'd like to ask you that question, but really with a focus on preparing to apply to economics and management. So is there anything that you would really recommend to your past self just before you started this application process? Yeah. um, So I would really emphasize the the importance of the the entrance exam. I yeah I, I think it, it plays a really important role in determining the top 20% who are invited to interview um so yeah my advice would be definitely to practice all of the the TSA pass papers um and yeah I made a significant improvement in the scores I was getting between uh, the start and the end of my pass paper practice and I often see the impression that you cannot improve your TSA score or prepare for it um which I think is completely untrue, uh, as I was able to improve my score quite significantly through practice. Um, So yeah, definitely um, taking the TSA uh, very seriously, Um, but also just keep practicing, um, uh, keep keep practicing having those conversations, those academic conversations with your friends, teachers, family uh, to prepare for interview as well um so yeah practice i guess for both is my my key advice practice 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 i think that is always very good advice and i I would definitely echo it in regards to the tsa it's not something to approach at the last minute you want to put the work in which means dedication and it, it means being organized and it means thinking ahead but if you want a place on a course like this one that's the sort of thing that you need to be doing I think that's brilliant advice. Thank you so much, Tarek, for joining us and sharing your top tips and best of luck for the coming for the coming weeks. No worries. Uh, happy to, uh, to help. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our friends at Rare, Clifford Chance, Linklaters, McKinsey and Jane Street for making this podcast possible. We hope that you'll share this episode with friends and family who might find it useful. And don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Target Oxbridge. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.